This is Solem Literary Press. I'm your host, Riley Bounds, and this is the Solem Podcast, where we discuss and examine the intersection of the modern renaissances in evangelical literature, philosophy, and spiritual formation. Today, I'm excited to have artist and editor Veronica McDonald on the podcast. Veronica McDonald is a published fiction writer, poet, artist, and editor with an MA in literature. Veronica became a born-again Christian in July 2016 when Jesus saved her from anxiety, depression, and a nihilistic worldview. In 2019, Veronica started a literary and art journal called Heart of Flesh, where she publishes Christian-themed literature, poetry, art, and photography from writers and artists around the world. She just recently began working on editing and publishing a literary magazine for children called Pure and Heart Stories, which debuts in May. Veronica currently lives in Mobile, Alabama with her husband and three children. You can find out more about her work at veronicamcdonald.com. More information will be given in the show notes, including links to Heart of Flesh, Pure and Heart Stories, and her personal website if you want to find out more. So Veronica, welcome, and thanks for joining me today. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited yeah, to be to here. See you. Yeah, good to see you. So just uh, tell us a bit about yourself, um, namely your testimony. So why don't you uh, tell us a bit more about that? Yeah, sure. I mean, it's a long story, so I might just give you the shorter version. If I And, and I might uh, make it a little longer than I intend. So just cut me off whenever you need to. But, uh, no problem. Yeah. <laughs> So the short version is I, I grew up Catholic. I, uh, I was raised in the Catholic church. I went to a Catholic high school um, and I believed in God and I prayed to God, but I never heard the gospel. I never, I never heard, um, you know, that you just put your faith in Jesus and that's what saves you. I've never heard that. And uh, I thought I didn't understand Jesus's role in um in our relationship with God. I didn't, I, I'd heard that he was the son of God. I didn't understand what that meant. And uh, I thought, basically thought to get to heaven, you had to be a good person. You, you get there by your works. And uh, um, so I, I, do, I would pray to God, but I wouldn't pray to Jesus. I would pray to God, you know, and I, I didn't have, so I didn't have a strong foundation. And when I went to college, uh, that foundation basically crumbled, uh, you know, over time. Uh, I, I dated a couple of, uh, of, uh, boys who are atheists and they, you know, they kind of poked fun at me for believing in God. And then I, uh, also, uh, I took a Greek mythology class and while in my textbook, it, it, uh, made a reference, it kind of made this off remark that, you know, Jesus, the story of Jesus basically was a stolen story adapted from the stories of these pre-Christian gods like Dionysus or the Egyptian god Horus. And that really like messed with me. I'm like, oh, I had never heard that before. That's really, you know, and I didn't have a strong foundation in who Jesus was. So I didn't question it all that much. Um, and shortly after that, I just stopped believing in God altogether. I didn't want to stop believing in God. It really messed with me because <laughs> I wanted to believe in that there was an afterlife, but uh <laughs> I didn't. And I'm like, I'm like, it, God just doesn't exist. It's so obvious. And, uh, you know, I, and there's no afterlife, there's no supernatural, you know, when we, when we die, you know, not, we're just going to stop existing. That seems the, like, the most obvious thing or it did to me at the time. And so um, I went through my entire twenties believing this. I didn't like talking about, I, I wasn't like an aggressive atheist. I don't think I would even have called myself an atheist. I wasn't like trying to bash Christians or anything like that. Not, not that all atheists do that, but some of them sometimes do. But um, uh, I just didn't want to talk about God. I thought it was silly and I didn't want to talk about religion. I didn't want to talk about anything because I didn't believe it. And I didn't want people trying to convince me that it was true. Um, so I went through that all through my twenties. And then when I, uh, in my, and then in my, uh, my early thirties, uh, over this time, I started developing depression. I started developing anxiety. And after I had my kids, my depression, anxiety got a lot worse. And, um, and my husband, he, he's in, he was in the Navy and he was gone a lot. So I was alone a lot and that didn't help either. Uh, and I got to a place where I was getting, it was pretty bad. And, uh, I basically, I wanted to, 
I started having uh, questions about God's existence again. And um, mm. this was, you know, I, I know it's the Holy Spirit working on me. He worked on me in all these little ways all over the place where it kind of got me thinking about God again. And uh, so my little brother was about to get married and um, I was starting to question things about God. I started thinking about God again. I started getting so depressed and so anxious. I was getting suicidal thoughts and I would, I just was, it was all because I was terrified of dying. I'm like, I was so scared of dying. I was so scared of the notion of not existing anymore. It really terrified me more, more than it had been terrified about anything. And I was wondering why everyone else in the world wasn't freaking out the way I was about this, you know, like, I'm like, I know uh, maybe because, you know, they've, they've convinced themselves like some kind of power power exists so that they don't have to freak out about death. And uh, so I, I started looking into Jesus again. I just wanted to, I just had questions about him and I wanted to, I started investigating Christianity again. Cause it would it was, I was looking for something, looking for some glimmer of hope, I think. And um, so I started looking, researching all the questions I'd had about him. And uh, uh, it turns out a lot of the things that like what I had read in the, in the textbook about Jesus being a ripoff of other pre-Christian gods, Mm-hmm. Uh, I started reading the defense for that. Like there were answers against that. Like, you know, mm-hmm. these connections are actually not as strong as that textbook made it seem. And, you know, it actually didn't seem like Jesus was a copy of these gods at all, that they, they had very loose connections and exaggerated connections that were just not, not real. And um, so that got me thinking about Jesus again. And then I, I also came across the evidence for the resurrection, the evidence that he was an actual person. I, had, I thought he was more of a myth than a man. You know, I didn't think he was an actual person. And I started seeing the evidence for that. And it started me getting me thinking about him. And uh, my little and during this time, my little brother was about to get married. And he is he was a, Catholic, a pretty strong Catholic. And then he, uh, in his teenage years, he somewhere along the way, he became an atheist as well. And uh so I was arguing with him, not arguing, debating with him in a text message. I like, I think Jesus, you know, I think it's possible. He may have rose from the dead. Like it's possible, you know, at least I didn't fully believe, but I was like starting to think about it a lot. And, uh, and he was kind of debating with me because he's, he's like, no, he's like, <laughs> like, no, no way. He's like, you don't, don't buy into that stuff. You know? <laughs> um, and so I went to, I went to his wedding by myself. My husband stayed with the kids and I'm like, oh, you know, when I, once I'm around my family, I'll stop being depressed. I'll stop being anxious. I might just miss my family. Um, Cause we lived far away from them. We lived in California and they lived in uh, Rhode Island. It was pretty far. So um, I went there and I, it just, I just felt worse than ever being around them. Uh, I felt like nobody knew anything about God. Nobody knew anything about if there was a God. I didn't directly ask them, but it just seemed like everyone just kind of believed their own thing. And I'm like, there's just no answers. There's no, there's no way to know the truth. There's no way, you know? And um, so I would, I got very drunk because I used to drink a lot. And, And that was kind of my way to kind of, not be depressed anymore was to drink which mm-hmm. alcohol is a depressant depressant so it wasn't the best idea but <laughs> um so i drank a lot and uh i got very drunk and i i had a huge hangover the hang the next day but it was the last time i have ever gotten drunk and i when i came home that's when changes started happening fast i got home and uh i couldn't let go of this notion of jesus and um I kept thinking about him like, and I'm like, I think he may have actually rose from the dead. And I kept thinking about that. And I'm like, if he actually rose from the dead, then that means the Christian God is real. It means God is real, you know? And, um, and that really messed up. And I'm like, well, what do I do now? Like, what does that even mean? Like, you know, <laughs> so, and the Holy spirit, the Holy spirit just worked on me so much. So I was by myself and I was thinking about all this and I was, I started praying that night and I was just like, I was just like, God, please help me. Cause I, I just, I was so depressed. I was so anxious. I just didn't want to live anymore. I'm like, if you're real, just please help me. And while I was thinking that all these things started popping in my head about things I had done in my past, like years ago, where I didn't, I didn't think I had done anything wrong, but these things would pop in my house. And I suddenly could see how I had done something wrong. Like I didn't think I was actually hurting anybody and I was being a good person. And then I saw like, wow, I actually wasn't being a good person. And I actually did hurt this person. And all these things started flooding in my head, things I hadn't thought of in years. And, and it made me feel horrible. And I was just like, um, 
I'm like, God, if you're real, I am so sorry. I'm not a good person. <laughs> you know, I am so sorry, Jesus. And I, and I, and I meant it. I really didn't mean it. And I fell asleep shortly after I said that. And when I woke up the next morning, um, I, well, for years I had had this like ball of anxiety in my chest, just, just building up. And it just felt like it was right over my heart, just a ball of anxiety. And, um, when I woke up the next morning after saying that prayer, that ball of anxiety just unraveled and just completely disappeared like so gently. And it just was, it was almost, it was like a supernatural event. It was just so like, it was so wonderful. And I felt great. I felt like, like a huge weight had been lifted off of me. And, um, and I felt like a little kid. I felt like I, I wasn't scared anymore. I wasn't terrified of death anymore. I wasn't, I just felt great. And, um, uh, and I was like, what did just happen? <laughs> like what just happened to me? Um, I didn't put all the pieces to, I mean, I kind of put the pieces together, but not quite yet. I, I never heard of, you know, I mean, I'd never really heard of, um, you know, this baptism of the Holy spirit, like repent, like belief in the resurrection, then uh, repentance of sins, and then get baptized with the Holy spirit. And then when you're a new, and then you're a new creation in Christ. I had never heard it put exactly like that before. And if I had, it, it fell on deaf ears and I just don't, didn't even register with me, but, um, so I just felt, I felt like a new person and I was so grateful, but I was still so skeptical. I, 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 I'm just a skeptical person. So I was just like, I'm like, well, I have to be sure this is what happened. <laughs> I have to be sure that this was God and not just me playing psychological tricks on myself. So it, it led me down a path of a lot of internet research, a lot of investigating, a lot of watching YouTube videos of Christian apologists and uh, uh, debating atheists, a lot of um, just learning about the Bible. I read, I started reading the Bible and suddenly I could understand so many things that I'd, I'd never understood before. And I know because it's the Holy Spirit revealing it to me. Um, and it's just it was just so wonderful. It was wonderful and it was scary a little bit, but it was great. Like I suddenly had hope. I suddenly wasn't scared anymore. I mean, scared. It just was so much better, even though it was all so new and it was, uh, it was mm -hmm. like my world was crashing down, but in a good way, because I didn't yeah, like yeah. that world. And now it's just a totally different world than I thought. And it's so much better. <laughs> yeah. It's not easy and it's not, you know, the perfect thing, but it's a lot better than it was. <laughs> so yeah awesome awesome um so which christian apologists by chance did uh did you really land on that really helped you during that time uh, well, i went through phases like uh it started with uh i watched an old video of william lane craig uh debating an atheist and i can't remember the atheist name he wasn't a super famous one that i know now but <laughs> but uh it was like an older video from like the 90s or 80s i don't even know he, he um and I, I watched his video a bunch. I watched, uh, oh, who did I start watching? Uh, I was watching Lee Strobel a little bit and uh, Greg Kokel and <laughs> I might be saying people's names wrong. I landed on David Wood because I, wa I was watching a lot of Christian testimonies on YouTube and he was a an atheist that be he was actually, a, he's actually a, a psychopath. I mean, in that he doesn't feel empathy and he right. would, um, he was an atheist and he became a Christian and his testimony was fascinating. I started following his YouTube channel and uh, Nabil Qureshi, I was watching him a little bit and all sorts of people, just uh, everybody kind of led, uh, I, I kind of went through cycles where I started listening to um, them each in different time periods of my life. But uh, yeah, I, I loved it. And like I said, just everyday, just, everyday people making YouTube videos of their testimonies. I loved it. I was just watching like hundreds of those. It was just so fascinating to me. Um, yeah. 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 That's awesome. Um, I, uh, yeah, when I got my start in apologetics, uh, William Lane Craig was the, that gateway drug, you know? Oh yeah. He's, he's the fame. He's, he's good. He's the famous one. I mean, the top one, right? One of the top <laughs> apologists. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I've met him a couple of times and each time it's kind of like the new time you get kind of this like goosebumps, you know. And oh, you've met him. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. so cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He doesn't live on YouTube and that's just, that's just <laughs> you know, so he's real. I was thinking about that too. I'm like, if I ever met any of these guys in real life, I feel like I was meeting a celebrity. I'd be so right. <laughs> starstruck. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, and when you meet them too, you, like they don't see themselves as celebrities. So it's kind right. of like, you know, 
um, that they, they kind of think you're a weirdo. And I'm like, I'm not trying to be weird. I'm just so miserable. Yeah. You know? so, oh, that's, yeah, so that's, that's awesome. Um, so would you describe yourself as part of any particular denomination right now? Uh, well, my husband and I, we attend a, a Southern Baptist church. Um, he grew up Southern Baptist. And um, so, I mean, that's kind of where I'm leaning right now. I, I, um, I hold a pretty conservative view of the Bible in that, like, I think it's the inerrant word of God. And I'm, you know, I believe in the five solas of the Reformation. I, I, uh, I'm not Catholic anymore. I, um, so, uh, but I love learning about other denominations. I'm still learning about other denominations. And I, I like to see how we, how we differ on things and also how we can come together on a lot of things. And I think it's really interesting. Um, But yes, I go to a Southern Baptist church right now. Mm, Um, So when did your love of literature begin? Uh, I've always loved literature. Even before I could read, I was, (laughs) I was, uh, I always tell people that uh, um, my, um, and there's pictures of me, like when I'm like four or three or something, I have all these, books like picture books and I didn't know how to read but I would pretend to read to my little brother and I would just read him like all the books and just make up my own stories so I've always loved making up story making up fictional stories and um and then my love for poetry came later that came like probably in high school but uh I've always loved fiction (laughs) okay yeah so um so you generally prefer fiction over over um poetry or as I love both yeah, I mean, it depends on my mood. Like, um, like fiction is a good escape, and it just—I love, I love just being lost in that world. And poetry, kind of, to be in a different mood, but it's still nice. Like you, you kind of need to take your time and really mm-hmm. focus on each word. Even some, you know, in poems, poems. I say poems weird. My husband always makes fun of me, <laughs> but uh, so um, it's almost like you know, going over a, a photograph or some or a piece of art when you look at a poem but um fiction's just different so I have to be in the right mindset to read poetry but so fiction's a little easier for me to get right in it but yeah. I do love both <laughs> yeah and what about uh, writing both do you uh tend to gravitate more to fiction you know I, I I actually love writing fiction more but I have uh I have such a it, one I have a short a little bit of a short attention span and also a I don't have a lot of time because I have three, I have three young kids. <laughs> so whenever I get a time, I'm like, let me just write a poem and like real quick. <laughs> and uh, it's hard to write a story in that amount of time. So I can write a, I can write poetry and then I can always, after the kids go to bed, I can go back over it later and kind of edit it and, you know, make it better. But mm-hmm. it's hard to do that with a story, but I do pr- usually prefer writing fiction, but I, I've been leaning towards poetry lately. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, just what's a what's a day in the life of an editor like for uh, for two literary journals? That's that's quite a feat, and it's all solo, right? Yes, it's all solo. Um, my uh, so the, this is an experiment. You know, this is the first year I'm doing it two literary journals, and it's it's probably going to be the easiest time because the first literary journal, not a lot of people know about it. I'm not the first one. The new one, the Pure and Heart Stories, not a lot of people know about it yet, so I don't get as many submissions. So it's a little more manageable, but. Mm. Uh, but a day in the life, yeah, I just get tons of emails. I just humbly like I'm constantly answering emails all the time, <laughs> which I don't mind. But it, that's what it is. It's mostly emails, you know. People mm-hmm. submit people. I, the way my submission thing, my submission process is set up, um, people email me submissions. So I'm, I'm, or they ask me questions through email, or uh, you know. So I, I'm just constantly reading emails and responding to emails. Um, that's the, that's the uh, most of it. And then also editing, I mean, um, working on the websites and trying to yeah. figure that out is a learning process. <laughs> that's pretty involved, isn't it? The yeah. <laughs> the yeah. website is probably the most, can be the most frustrating part because <laughs> it doesn't always cooperate. <laughs> yeah, man. Um, <laughs> yeah. So uh, what's the best part about working as an editor? Uh I think two, there's two parts that are great. The, the best is uh, I like meeting new I feel like I'm meeting so many people and I, I love it. Meeting people who love to create. And I don't, I don't get that a lot lately. Like I did in, when I was in college, but since leaving college, I haven't met a lot of people who are like that. So I love meeting people who love to write and love to create art. And it's, it's fun. That's part is fun. And, um, the set, my second favorite part is just reading the submissions. I like reading all the work people send me. It's all so in, 
even if I don't accept it for the journal, like it's all so interesting and it's so, I just love it. <laughs> um, reading all this Christian inspired work, it's, it's just great. So uh, along with that, what's the, what's the worst part about being an editor? Uh, two things are also the worst. It'd be um, sending rejection letters. I don't like doing that. <laughs> Especially when people write like the nicest cover letter and they're so encouraging and they're so, uh, they put a lot of thought into your, their cover letter, especially. And, and I'm like, Oh, I got to reject, send you a rejection. I, I feel that <laughs> I don't like to reject anybody. Um, but I, I do need to reject quite a few people. Cause you know, I, I don't want the, the journal to be too long. I want it to be kind of manageable so that, you know, and digestible, you know, so people can, and, and because of a time issue, like it'd be harder, the more people I accept, it's harder for me to get it done on the, the deadlines I set for myself, but um but I don't like doing that um I also don't like I don't love the last stages like right before the deadline I set for myself to get everything published um it's uh getting everything together and I somehow I think I get ahead of it and then I at the last second there's always like a million things I have to do right before it gets published um so I don't love that part but but it's always worth it (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, the first issue of Solom, I kind of ran into that too. Like, you know, um, at the very last minute, like my pub, my, the printer calls me and they're like, so why isn't this a six by nine uh, aspect ratio? Yeah. And I'm like, Oh no. Well, I thought you were going to take care of that. You know, oh, so no. I had to like <laughs> redesign the entire book. And, like, right. Exactly. Yeah. If you don't have the right size, you got to yeah. Yeah. Redo everything. <laughs> yeah, it, it was it was so aggravating. Um oh, and man. yeah, just stuff like that pops up all the time. And then you like have to set yes. aside whatever else you're doing and whatever work you have and do that. So exactly. Yeah, you you set time enough aside for the things you have to you know you have to do, but then all these things pop up that you didn't think you had to do, and then, exactly. then you gotta fix all that. <laughs> yeah, and then I mean, even like legalities, you know, like you you run into stuff with like reprint law and, and things like that, and you're like do I have to reach out to these people and then wait for a response and then possibly delay the book, you know? So, right. That's part like of the that. reason I don't do reprints yet. I'm way in the future, but I kind of just didn't wanted to avoid that. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. it's actually not that, not, not that much of a hassle for anybody listening. Um, <laughs> anyway. Uh, so what's the hardest part about being an editor? Um, I think so we, I published the, the journal in three different formats. I publish it online individually, like each piece, indi- each writer individually so that they can share it on social media. Um, and then uh, I publish it as a PDF that they can download and then the print version. But uh, putting it online on the online version is probably the hardest part because of my website issues <laughs> There's, it, I always have formatting issues especially with poetry when people want it spaced a certain way you know um or a certain format and it's so hard to get it right and it's so hard to get it right to look right on a phone and on a desktop it's just um it, it always looks a little wonky but <laughs> but I try my best to get it right well I mean it, it looks great um you use Wix oh, right okay. no I don't I use uh wordpress.com wordpress so. Okay. Yeah. So the .org version, WordPress.org is a little more, um, probably easier to customize than WordPress.com. You only, you're a little bit more limited, which is what I have. So I'm still yeah. working on it. <laughs> yeah. Squarespace um, is, you know, I have a love-hate thing with it. I mean, yeah. like on mobile, working on it, it's it's absolutely terrible. Um, oh, no. On uh, on desktop it's, it's actually quite intuitive but well that's good yeah well your site looks great i really like your site it's so clean and classy i really love it <laughs> yeah thanks well um that, that that that's encouraging because it's, it's it's very simple because i really don't know how to make it more complex <laughs> but uh, it looks good i think it works <laughs> yeah. oh, well thank you um would you say that you have a heart for uh, christian writers um and would you say that uh, heart of flesh and pure and heart stories are ministries to them or ones that they're a part of or both or uh, neither uh yeah i definitely have a heart for christian writers especially christian writers that don't that write things that don't necessarily fit in the christian genre because i um i think you know they want to glorify god with their writing but they kind of do it a little differently 
And so I, I definitely have a heart for them because I feel that's how I write as well. Um, and so I want Heart of Flesh to be, uh, to be an encouragement to them. I want it to be, a, you know, a place where they could submit work and mm-hmm. while at the same time kind of adopting them um, into a ministry for readers, mm-hmm. you know, like uh, where they can, for especially for readers that don't believe, kind of to give them that little glimmer of Christ, you know, mm-hmm. and kind of a, attract them to the Bible. So it kind of makes them, a, a part, I want to encourage them and make them a part of the ministry, you mm-hmm. know. Yeah. Um, do you kind of gear uh, Heart of Flesh uh, more toward the secular reader in hopes that it might minister to them or more to the Christian artist? Yeah, I think it's both. Um, I want, like I said, I want to be encouraged, an encouragement to Christian uh, writers. Uh, at the same time, though, I don't know if every Christian would love the things that Heart of Flesh publishes. I think it's that kind of, it depends on that person because we do write things that have like I will allow an occasional swear word I will allow like references to sex sometimes I will allow you know people struggling with sin and doubt and you know it can get a little gritty and Mm -hmm. you know and when you're a new creation in Christ and you want to focus on love and hope and the joy you find in Christ as a Christian you don't always want to read that stuff and you know and I don't always want to read that stuff but I but it's kind of what I'm used to I um before before I became a Christian, I, I wrote pretty dark, not super dark, but I, I, my writing was more on the dark side. And I, I watched a lot of horror movies. I watched, you know, uh, I was really drawn to psychological horror and uh, psychoanalytic theory in, in literature. And uh, I loved Freud. I loved applying Freud to like horror movies and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. So I, I've always been drawn to that stuff. I've always re- read that. I would read that stuff too. So that's kind of my, and I don't do it anymore as a, as a Christian, because I don't, I don't want to, but you know, the Holy Spirit <laughs> kind of convicted me of that. But at the same time, I'm still kind of drawn to the dark, not the darker side, but the more not so clean side of, of uh, the Christian uh, life. So uh in writing, but not, I know not every Christian's like that. So I know they, you don't, they don't always want to read that stuff. So in a way we do kind of are, are directed more maybe to a secular reader in that way, or maybe Christians who kind of are drawn to that. So mm-hmm. it's not for every Christian. So, and it's not for every non-believer either. It's kind of whoever is kind of drawn, but I, I want people, I think people are drawn to truth and I think people are drawn to struggle. And I think people are drawn to like the, the good and the, the, good against evil, you know, and, uh, uh, and I, so in a way, I, I do want to attract those secular readers who are so used to reading that dark material without any hope, because a lot of times secular literature will take you to a dark place and don't let you, don't let you get out of it, you know, mm-hmm. I want, you know, people to be taken to a dark place, and then so that the light of Christ shines brighter, you know, because, mm-hmm. and you see that hope, you can, the, the lightness is so much brighter against the darkness than just on its own, you know? Right. Yeah. And, and as we go along, we're going to talk about um, darkness in uh, literature and poetry and whatnot. I guess I'll say um, before that, like we, we have uh, in evangelicalism, I, I think an aversion and an un, like an unhealthy aversion even to um, incorporating that, um, gritty reality in, in work. Um, and I, I think that undermines even our, I mean, our conviction about it, like pl- many parts in the Bible. I mean, the greatest story ever told is, is very, very dark and, and very yes. yeah. and violent. I mean, there's no holes barred in, in, in the Bible. Um, and exactly. we should, we shouldn't neglect that, you know? So yeah, so just uh, first tell us about Heart of Flesh. Um, how did you conceive the idea for it? Um, so, yeah, it kind of ties into what I was saying before. Like, uh, I was drawn, I've always been drawn to, you know, darker writing, and I wrote darker things. So when I became a Christian, uh, I didn't know what to do with myself. I knew I, I didn't know anything about Christian fiction. I knew I wanted to glorify, I wanted to write, and I wanted to glorify God with my writing, but I wasn't sure how to do it. Um so I, I felt a bit lost. I didn't even really know what to read. Like I used to read novels all the time and all of a sudden I'm like, I can't read this anymore. I just, it doesn't feel right. So 
uh, I'm like, what do I do? I don't know what to write. I don't know what to read. <laughs> I don't, I wasn't sure what to do. I felt a bit lost. And then, um, and then it popped, it popped in my head one day, which I don't think it came from me. I think it came from, from the Holy Spirit. It popped in my head today. Like, I, you know, I could start my own literary journal, you know, and kind of draw that kind of writing to me and to other people who would be interested in reading it, you know, and, or maybe I can attract other writers who feel the same way I, I do and don't really feel like they know where to publish their stuff. Um, so I had submitted as a writer, I'd submitted to tons of literary journals and I, I've been, I'm familiar with, you know, what I like about certain literary journals, what I don't like. And I, uh, I, I knew, I figured I, I, I mean, I wasn't an expert, but I figured I knew enough about it. I'm like, I, I could probably do this. So, um, so I did, I, I just started and I figured I'd see what would happen and, and, it, and everything's, it's been pretty cool. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah I bet. Um, <laughs> So do you know where Heart of Flesh was going when you first started it or did it kind of evolve over time, like the, the goal and the direction of it? It definitely evolved over time. Yeah, I didn't know where it was going to go. I, I figured it would start like a small blog maybe and then I wasn't sure what to do from there. But um, it's really taken off and like every issue, God puts it on my heart to kind of go, you know, take it a little further or go a little maybe in a, a different direction or expand in a different direction. And I've every issue I learned so much from other writers, from other editors, from uh, the people I come in contact with. I just I learned so much, and I think Heart of Flesh benefits from that. It just keeps growing and and changing in a good way. Um, but yeah, I really didn't know. I just know that uh, I just I would just I just prayed all the time that God uses it for whatever He wants to use it for, and and yeah. use me however He wants to use me for it. Yeah, yeah. Well, He He definitely is. Um, so what is, uh, Heart of Flesh's mission? Uh, I mean, the primary goal always is just to expand and serve the kingdom of God. You know, like if I can't, like, I want, I want it to be a vessel where, you know, seeds are planted, you know, like, mm -hmm. um, where, whether a writer, like just to get writers and readers interested in Jesus, interested in the Bible, if they're non-believers, um, encourage Christians, uh, and I wanted to be a, you know, just a place, I just wanted to make something where the Holy Spirit can do his work, you know, mm -hmm. however he wants to do it. And, um, so, uh, and I always, I always try to remind myself, like, um, you know, even if I, if I do this for 50 years and I make hundreds of issues and if it's, if God wants me to do all, like wanted me to do all that, just so like, you know, one person could get to know Jesus, like it would be totally be worth it. You know, so mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm not sure what he wants to do. It could just be just to reach one person and it would still be amazing. So I'm all about that. Yeah, <laughs> I don't yeah. know what he wants to do with it, but I know he's such a good God. He is going to do something good. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm sure that you're reaching quite a bit of people. Um, speaking of reach, uh, how do you advertise Heart of Flesh? Uh, so I, I try to, I've been using social media a lot to advertise mostly. I, um, I use Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and, uh, you know, a lot of, sometimes people will help me out. <laughs> they, they approach me and they're like, oh, can I mention you in my blog? I'm like, yes. And, or, you know, they start, people start spreading the word, which is really helpful. And, uh, and right now, um, because I have so much content on the site itself, uh, people doing Google searches will just find me, which is great. So it, it really saves me some, <laughs> some legwork, yeah. <laughs> you know, because yeah. the site's just grown so much that, you know, keywords will bring them right over. So, which is right. great, but yeah. just a lot of word of mouth, which is good too. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I, I know that a lot of people have found Solemn like through Submittables newsletter, which they have cut for whatever reason right now. Um, yeah. And I know that Duotrope sends out like newsletters and, and such, uh, but yeah. you, you seem to get a lot of traction even like without places like uh, Submittable. Um, yeah, I don't use Submittable mostly because I just, may, I, I don't really have the funds for it. <laughs> it yeah. yeah. Really and I'm like, well, I kind of enjoy the emails because I like, I, I don't mind writing emails and I don't, you know, I kind of like can adapt over time what I say to people and I don't know I don't I don't mind interacting like that but it's mostly the money too <laughs> but uh yeah uh, and you know I, we are on duotrope but 
uh, Duo Trip actually doesn't bring that much much traffic to my site. It, they it, people do hear about uh, how to flush through Duotrope, but it's not it's not the most effective thing for for mm -hmm. flush for some reason. So would you say that uh, the social media is probably probably how you get most of your traffic or yeah or I, search? Yeah, social media, and then once you you know. Uh, people, but also the writers, the people are the contributors, the people who contribute, like, because they can share their work, they, um, they share it on their social media. So that people hear about it through that. And um, yeah, they spread the word too. the contributors do also, which is helpful. Yeah, you and uh, you and Ecstasis both you've you've both done quite a quite a wonderful job with the social media aspect. Um, yeah, so is, is Heart of Flesh primarily for the writers or for the readers or even both equally? Uh, I think both equally. Um, I think actually most of our readers probably are writers, if I had to guess. <laughs> I think that's that's probably the case of a lot of literary journals. A lot of the people who read them are writers. So <laughs> I think kind of, so kind of both in that way. Um, sure. We do have readers that are not writers, but it's mostly writers, I can, I can from what I can tell. Mm -hmm. So yeah. it's <laughs> um, yeah. So going back to the the grit and the darkness that you were talking about with Heart of Flesh, um, on on the interview with Duotrope, you said that um, your preferred style has a little grit and darkness with hope, love, and healing of Christ intertwined. So just uh, tell us a bit about that generally. When you write with about darkness, I think it makes it more true for a lot of people. And it doesn't seem like you're just kind of gloss things over, and uh, and it makes. But at the same time, you don't want to take people to a dark. Like I said, you don't want to take people to a dark place and just leave them there either necessarily. Um, like a lot of literature does that already in the world, you know. Uh, and I think, you know, uh, I want literature that does that kind of that shows people there is hope. You don't want to just. I I, I really I want people to know that there's so much hopelessness in this world already, you know. So. I, uh, I, that's the kind of work I want to publish. Right. Um, yeah, I, I think there's a difference between writing about darkness and writing with darkness. Um, oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, so it seems like Heart of Flesh airs more on the latter. Mm -hmm. um, do you think that uh, you can have the dark themes in, li in literary work like in Heart of Flesh while remaining faithful to the Christian worldview? Yes, I do, but I think it, it depends you know, on what you mean by dark, you know, a lot of the times and, and with all things, you have to be careful, you know, you, um, you, I don't think a Christian writer should go or should go as dark as like a secular writer would or, or a worldly writer would. Um, I think Chris, as Christians, we're supposed to expose the darkness for what it is. And we, I don't think we should glorify it or revel in it or, or make it a spectacle for entertainment necessarily, but um, but use it maybe to make a point or to show the, that, you know, how evil it is. Um, so I don't think uh, a Christian, you know, I don't think a Christian writer should necessarily use graphic sex or violence or excessive swearing. You know, I don't think it's ever really necessary even, you know, uh, for them to do that, like you, you you don't have to be shocking to have powerful writing, but you can. You don't have to be shocking to write about darkness. Um, and uh, and when you're writing, I think you know, as a Christian writer writing dark fiction, I think you need discernment. You need to pray, and you need to just let the Holy Spirit guide you as you're writing it, because you you don't want to go. You want to still, you know, you want to still. Um, stay true to being a Christian without, you know, <laughs> you don't want to go too much on the other side, <laughs> even if it's to make a point, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, your worldview governs everything you do, um, including writing and, um, and also just avoiding excessiveness. I mean, I think that the, the excess will detract from the story generally, e even in secular writing. I mean, Oh yeah, absolutely. I never liked that in, even when I wasn't a Christian, I didn't love that either. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, I, I see a bunch of secular movies and, you know, stuff on HBO, like, that has all this you know, just, like, pervasive swearing and, and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. I'm like, even the rough people that I, 
I know, I mean, they don't, they don't even talk like that, you know? Right, yeah, exactly. It's just overdone. It, it's, it's like, it's mm -hmm. trying to be too real, almost. Right, and it, yeah, they're, in their attempt to be real, it's not real anymore, because <laughs> it's like nobody, it's just, it's too much on the other side. <laughs> I agree with yeah, you. Yeah, um, it's, it, it's, it's overdone. Yeah. So, um, do you think it's better for Christian writers to focus on joy and hopefulness in their work rather than on evil and pain? Um, I think good Christian writing should have both, you know, I, you know, I think, I think joy is more profound when you experience godly joy, despite pain and evil, you know, we're supposed to be joyful in all circumstances. And I think that, that you can't have that if you don't have, pain and evil around you <laughs> or unpleasant circumstances. Um, and hope is the drive. I feel that hope is the driving force behind every good story, you know? Um, and as you talked about earlier, I mean, this is, this is in the Bible. I mean, the Bible is full of pain and evil and sin and human struggles, and it doesn't shy away from the truth of the human condition or the truth of the condition of the world. And uh, I don't think our, our writing has to either. Right. Yeah. Um, I mean, the Bible is really one of the only books that I know and, and like um, in religious canon where it's like it doesn't shy away from the bits that will embarrass you or right. embarrass yeah. the writers, you know, like with David's infidelity and murder um, mm -hmm. and just uh, like the fact that women testify to uh, Jesus resurrection. Um, all this all this would have been embarrassing to the ancient. Uh, writers and readers um, and right. it doesn't try to cover that up so yeah exactly and yeah. that kind of makes it and it makes it more people don't want to write embarrassing things about themselves you know and exactly is there a way to acknowledge um, you know the existence of evil and pain while writing from a Christian perspective in a way that's not you know preachy or corny or minimizing the impact of evil on our lives yeah, I think there is. I think people have been writing, uh, writers have been writing that way for a long time, I feel like. And I, I, um, I, um, I know you like Flannery O'Connor and I like Flannery O'Connor. I always think of this novel I read. I mean, I'm not a, I'm not an expert on it. I haven't read all her works or anything, but I loved her. I, I, I shouldn't say loved. I liked her novel, The Violent Bear It Away. And this kind of reminds me of uh, what you're talking about um, because it's pretty, it's a pretty dark novel and it's, uh, but it's not, it's like I said before, it, it the darkness in it kind of shows, exposes it for, exposes it for what it is. She's not glorifying the darkness. She's mm -hmm. making you feel uncomfortable about it, you know? <laughs> so, uh, and in it, she even has some preaching in it, but it's not, you're not preaching, she's not preaching at the reader. She's preaching it in uh, where, you know, a character walks by, like a church revival meeting and there's like a little girl I think she's like I don't know how little I forget but she's preaching and the character who's an uh an atheist is overhearing it and it's like really affecting him and it's just such a powerful moment in the novel I just and you know it's she just said uh such a good way of you know she's preaching but it wasn't preachy you know there's a it, she did it in a I mean she's a, a you know she's a wonderful writer so i know we can't all achieve this but but uh we could aspiring to something like that i think we should aspire to, yeah. aspire to that kind of writing without preaching at the reader where it's obvious you know even as two characters talking to each other where it's obvious you're just preaching to the reader i don't i don't think that that resonates well with readers i don't think they want to hear that they they right. know what you're doing they're on to you you know so <laughs> you yeah. have to work yeah. at it but i think it can be done Right. When in doubt, just uh, riff on Flannery O'Connor. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. So uh, going back to what we were talking about earlier, do you think that Christian writing necessarily always needs to lean to the hopeful, even when it uses darkness? Uh, I would hesitate to say always, um, because uh, I think, I don't think it always has to, but like I said, you have to be careful. I think if you don't offer hope, maybe you're doing it for a specific purpose. Um, mm -hmm. I do write some poetry. I have written poems. And I do write poems that are a little dark and they, they sometimes they don't offer that glimmer of hope. And, uh, but I do that to make, to kind of, 
make make the reader feel the darkness a little bit, bit more. And I don't do it in every poem. I do, and I, you know, I do offer hope in my other poem, poetry, my other poems, but uh, I don't know if you necessarily have to do it for every poem or every story. But I think if you don't do it, you should do it for a good reason and you, you do it deliberately. Um, uh, and I don't think you should maybe not offer hope just because it's trendy or like it's, or it's, uh, you think it's cool or whatever, <laughs> not yeah. to. Um, but this depends on the person. It depends on the writing. So, right. and you should do everything with discernment and prayer. <laughs> yeah, I know that um, in, in my own work, I have, a, I have a chapbook coming out pretty soon. And um, right. the, the poems in there that uh, I wrote, I mean, I never set out with the idea to to have it like be a chapbook, you know, I, I didn't mm -hmm. know that it was going to have this trajectory from like darkness to, to light or, you know, from pain and trauma to uh, hopefulness. So in that way, I mean, I, I just kind of let them be as they are, you know, but yeah. in the end, I mean, they did, they did turn out to have a hopeful trajectory and sometimes uh, it, it might be necessary for you to write that, aching hopeless stuff you know to arrive at what you need to to look you know to to be um so right yeah um i think if you are a christian i think sometimes that just comes out like without you even trying the hope comes out you know because you can't like you said like it kind of just you weren't intending for it to necessarily happen in your chat book but it just kind of does you know because <laughs> yeah. you yeah. you have that in you Right. Yeah. We act out our nature and we have, we have a changed nature, then, you know, we'll have changed writing. So right. Would you, th would you say that it's sinful to write from hopelessness as a Christian? I mean, no, I, I mean, I wouldn't, I think it's pretty neutral. Like I think it could go either way. It's, I think it's neutral. I think it's neutral. It just depends how you're, it, I mean, it, it depends on your, your heart and your intentions and what you're trying to do with that. Yeah. I think. Um, and is it just kind of trendy for, for Christians to write with a dark tone or try to be gritty, you know, realistic? I don't know. I don't know if it's trendy. I, I hope, I, I hope not because trendy kind of has negative connotations. Like, like they're just, they're not really genuine. They're just trying to be cool. Mm -hmm. um, but I think if they are doing it to be trendy, if a writer is doing it to be trendy, I think, I think it would probably be obvious if you were reading it. Um, and I don't know if I, I, that's not really what I'm looking for in Heart of Flesh. Like I don't want people writing it just to be cool yeah, <laughs> or yeah. because everyone else is writing it that way. But, um, yeah. and like I said, I, but Christians have been writing dark for a long time, maybe, you know, hundreds of years. They, there's some Christians writing some pretty dark stuff. So, yeah, uh, yeah. I, I've seen like this, this concern that like with Christian cinema, it's getting a bit too, um, edgy, you know, or it's trying to like meet the secular on on its level, you know. Okay. Like I remember, um, what's that movie called? It's the one about abortion, Unplanned. Um, oh yeah. Yeah, Unplanned was was a an R rated an R rated movie. They had like the odd swear word, you know. Uh, it was primarily R because they showed the abortion, um, mm. and uh, like the case for Christ was a PG because it had, you know, you know sprinklings of, of curses and, and whatnot. Um, so I, I just kind of wondered like if, if we are moving away from where we need to be or if it's, you know. Um, so I don't know. Yeah. I, I never saw unplanned. I did see the case for Christ and I really liked it, but I, I think, uh, I mean, there's nothing wrong with having, it doesn't, seem to me like there's nothing wrong with having both like maybe have those movies that are a little more are geared towards a, a certain audience and then these other movies are a little grittier for uh uh for people who enjoy that kind of thing but uh like i said it depends what they're trying to accomplish if they're just doing it for like i said because it's trendy then i don't think that's the right reason yeah but, um, yeah well on a different note um tell us about uh pure and heart stories yeah so this well i'm 
Yeah, Pure in Heart Stories uh, is actually my daughter's idea. <laughs> she's eight years old. Um, she uh, she always uh, she sees me working on Heart of Flesh sometimes on the website, and uh, she always wants to read it. And she's like, "Oh, can I read it?" Can I? <laughs> and I'm like, "No, you can't." <laughs> <laughs> Um, and she wants to help me. She's so helpful and she's so mature and so uh, smart. Um, and she's like, well, you know, can I submit work to your magazine? Uh, can I submit? And, <laughs> oh, and I'm like, oh, you're just adorable. But <laughs> um, uh, she kind of came up with the idea like, oh, you should make another literary magazine where kids could submit or we, or, you know, or I could read it. And I'm like, you know, I'm like, I'm like, yeah, I don't know. And then, the, but the idea would not leave my mind. And I think it's the whole, again, I think it was the Holy Spirit kind of not letting me let it go. Uh, so I, um, so I'm like, I just, one night I'm like, all right, let me make a website real quick. Let me just see how this would look. Let me just think about this for a little while. And, and I started getting excited about it. I'm like, yeah, like, um, and, she, and I, and I told her about that. Like, yeah, let's do it. And she got really excited about it and she wants to help. And I'm like, oh, that's perfect. So uh, she's the co-editor <laughs> on Pure Art Stories. But it is, it's not, it's not, it's not, um, we're not looking for writing by children yet, maybe along the, the, down the line. But uh, right now it's just uh, writing by adults for children, for a children, right. for a child audience um, between yeah. like six to 11 years old. So. Yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, it's such a novel idea. I've like I don't think I've ever seen a literary journalist that's aimed at kids um so why did you decide to target children for a literary journal uh yeah I wasn't sure if it existed either there are a few uh I haven't seen any Christian uh ones but they may exist uh there are a few uh secular literary magazines for kids um but just it just with my daughter saying all that it, and my other two kids, they just love books and they love to read. And, uh, and it's just reminded me like our, our kids are, I mean, kids are so inundated with secular ideas and secular things all the time in the books and movies and uh, TV shows. And uh, there's not a, there's not a whole lot of Christian stuff. There's some, and, and maybe I, I'm, I just don't know about a lot of it yet. I'm still learning, but uh I just, uh, I would, I would love for my daughter to be able to read, you know, little short stories and poetry and, and not have to worry about what they're trying to teach her, you know, what they're putting in her head. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm excited to see where the, where it goes. Oh, I am too. I am too. Yeah. Um, so your eight year old daughter, Mia, Mia, um, mm-hmm. she has final say over what's published in, <laughs> pure and hard story <laughs> and that, that that's just that's so cool um so wh- what led you to make her uh editor-in-chief you know? uh well so it is it's for a child audience so she is my you know she has to be able to tell me you know you know do you like this <laughs> is this for but this <laughs> i'm not a kid so <laughs> i need a child advice here so she uh I screen everything. I got to let her read every submission because, you know, you do get some weird submissions sometimes. But um, I uh, the ones I kind of like, I show her and she lets me know if, she, if we sh- if we talk about it. Like, oh, should we put this in? And it's been really fun. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, that's why she's editor-in-chief. She gives me the child's perspective of what possibly uh, a child would be interested in reading. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, she- yeah. well, that, that's... That's that's so cute and just so yeah, that's amazing. Um, so, what's it like uh, working with your daughter to create a journal? Oh, it's fun. Does she like we uh, we mostly just you know we read them together and uh, but um, she does have different tastes than I do. <laughs> when I was, I love children's stories. I do love children's stories. Um, but when I was her age, uh, you know, we we were. We were Catholic, but as we were pretty secular, and my parents let us watch so many movies and shows and books that were so inappropriate. <laughs> so, as, like I said, I had a, a love for horror movies, and uh, it's because we watched a lot of scary stuff when we were kids. We read a lot of scary stuff when we were kids. We thought it was cool, and my daughter is not like that at all. She is she does not like anything scary, and so if something is just even the tiniest bit scary, even though. I mean, sometimes she'll surprise me and she'll like something that's a little bit scary, but anything that's a little bit of scariness to it, she's like, 
No, I don't like that. I don't know. <laughs> so, <laughs> but it's yeah. really sweet. I'm glad she's not like me in that way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Um, so what should people do if they want to get started in Christian publishing? Um, well, I mean, it really depends, again, but uh, I just say, you know, do your research, just, you know, look at people who are already doing it, see what they're doing, and keep praying about it and asking God to show you uh, well, what steps to take and what you should be doing. And then if you feel led, just you feel led by the Holy Spirit, just just jump right in and do it and see what happens. Yeah. you know but i mean do your research first yeah it's like kind of know what to expect a little bit but um right yeah just don't be scared and you'll find that people are willing to support you willing to help you and it's yeah. just very supportive community right and uh what if people want to um start their own literary journal or small press um, well, it's, it's, I feel like it's easy, it, not easy, it's not easy, but I feel like it's easy to start up now more than ever because you can, uh, there's so many, you can even start a free, on a free website and, you know, make it a, a blog and you, you, you just put out a submission call and people will submit their, they'll, people will submit their work. Writers are always looking for places to submit their work mm-hmm. and, um, you know, and, and you just do it how you want, whatever you find you like when you like to see in a literary journal or a literary magazine or a literary blog and just kind of make it your own. And I think you'll find it's not as, I think if someone's interested, I think they'll find it's not as hard to get started as maybe they think. And, uh, and it's a lot of, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of work, but it's a lot of fun. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm sure that you've felt pretty overwhelmed by, you know, the work that you're about to do, but it's also like, it's so joyful, you know, like, it is yeah oh yeah like not every day <laughs> I mean every day I, I I do try to find the joy in it every day but at the at the same time you, you can get overwhelmed easily but yeah. just gotta you know right. just keep leaning on Jesus and he will get you through anything so <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah I know with uh with soul I'm like um I mean th- there are there are bits that are just you know like I have to look now into like purchasing ISSNs and all this other oh, yes. like minutia that comes along with publishing. But I mean, it, it's all just, even the stuff that, you know, you think would be boring. I mean, it's just fascinating to me now. Like yes. I, I just, I love it so much. You know, I, I, I look forward to every day with, with Solon. So. Yeah, that's great. I yeah. agree. I agree. I like, I feel like I'm learning. It's like a whole new uh, education. I'm <laughs> learning so right. much. Also. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. We, we, we don't, we don't like sit down and learn it like before we do it, we, we have to like jump in and, and find out. And so. Exactly. Yeah. So sometimes you, you just don't even know what you need to know exactly. <laughs> until you yeah. get to that point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So how do people find uh, Christian publishers? Well, I mean, there's a few different ways, like even just uh, an internet search, you could probably find some that way, but also duo trope, you know, list Christian publishers and uh, poets and writers uh, that web, their website, they do post a uh, Christian literary journals and magazines and uh even there's there's like facebook groups that will post uh work uh places for christians to submit uh there's you know there's blogs and there's bloggers who blog about it so that's why an internet search would be helpful because a lot of different people will sometimes post lists of places for christians to publish work uh so just keep doing your research and you'll definitely find it uh, people, uh, anyone who wants to, is interested. Right. And, uh, what should people do if they want to submit material to you at Heart of Flesh or at, uh, Pure in Heart? Yeah, well, I, I would love them to, and we, we, I am closed for submissions right now for both of the literary journals until August 1st, but once August 1st starts, um, if you go to my, either site, you just send me an email with your submission and that's it. (laughs) So definitely check out the sites and, Cool. And uh, August 1st, you can do that. And they're both biannual? Yes. So, yes. Um, I pu- we publish, or I publish in the spring and in the fall. So. Okay. Okay. Well, uh, great. Yeah, Veronica, it's been great talking to you. Um, I'm sure yeah. that a lot of people uh, have enjoyed your insights and getting to know you better as an editor. So thanks again for, uh, for coming on today. Yeah, thank you for having me on. It's been fun. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and thank you for listening, and uh, we'll see you later. Bye.